Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Sorry about this. Tie chain. <laughs> oh, Deary me, that was bad. All right, Romans chapter 5. We're going to uh, look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can come together uh, around your word. We thank you for how great you are. Thank you that, Father, we serve a wonderful God who uh, is a blessing unto us day by day by meeting our needs, providing for us and undertaking for us. We pray, Father God, now as we come to your word that, uh, Lord, you would open our eyes and our hearts, open our understanding, Father God, that we might uh, glean from your word that which you would have for us today. Minister to us through your word and use me, Father God, to your glory, I pray. Lord, help me do certainly that which you would have me to say. Allow me, Father God, to uh, present your word clearly uh, for your glory, Father God, today. Bless our time in your word, we pray, and may you receive all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, our salvation is a wonderful thing. And Paul sets out in Romans chapter 5 to explain just how wonderful it is. In Romans chapter 5, and verses 18 to 19, which is where we're at at the moment, Paul concludes his remarks about the wonder of salvation recorded for us in Romans chapter 5, 1 through 17. And he includes the remarks on the gift of grace, but once again comparing Adam and Christ. These two verses are designed to sum up the apostle, what the apostle has been saying in the previous verses, Romans chapter 5, verses 13 to 17. And also to supply the conclusion of the statement of Romans chapter 5, 12, because as we mentioned last week, Verses 13 to 17 are in parentheses. Chapter 5, verse 12, and chapter 5, verse 18 are actually the completion of the statement. And in the middle of that, there's the parenthetical section, verses 13 to 17. And so verse 18 and 19 are designed to be the conclusion of the statement of verse 12, where we're told that when Adam sinned, we all sinned. When Adam died, we all died. And as verse 12 tells us, for all have sinned. Therefore, we need to understand the following four facts. In fact, the verse 18 starts out that way with therefore. You need to understand the following four facts. And firstly, we saw last week, we all die because by the offense of Adam, judgment came. In verse 18a, therefore by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. We said that was not the end. Because the story goes on, secondly, where we see that by the offense of Adam, judgment came, but by the righteousness of Christ, justification came. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. We need to understand these two truths, that by the offense of Adam, judgment came, and that by the righteousness of Christ, justification came. But we also... Need, need to understand that the next two facts are just as important. And we need to understand the importance of these next two facts if we're going to understand what the Apostle is saying about our salvation. If we understand the relationship of Adam and Christ, then we need to understand 
the final two facts listed for us in verse 19. If we understand what Christ did for us at the cross of Calvary, understand our salvation a little better, then we need to understand the final two facts. So note with me this morning, firstly, the third fact listed here, that by the disobedience of Adam, all men are made sinners. Verse 19a, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. For as by the man's, one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. This continues the parallel between Adam and Christ. But this time it uses different words. It's as though the Apostle Paul is trying to delve into the understanding of the concepts he's teaching and he's giving us layer upon layer of understanding so that we're left in no doubt of what it is he's trying to explain to us. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. One man's disobedience, he says, is set up over against in contrast with one man's obedience. If Adam's sin declared all sinners, then Christ's obedience is going to declare righteous all those who believe in him. Now we need to understand that verse 19 goes further than verse 18. Verse 18, Romans 5.18 states that because of one offense of Adam, all of us were treated as sinners. Because of the offense of one man, Adam, all of us were treated as sinners. But verse 8.19 says, in going further on this statement, that not only were we treated as sinners, but you and I were regarded as actual sinners. Okay, so the difference is, in verse 18, we're treated as sinners. The, the, the consequence of Adam's sin is that all you and I are going to die. We're treated as if we sinned in Adam. But in verse 19, we're told that we actually are regarded as sinners. As Adam sinned, so we all sinned. As Adam died, we all died. This is a, a fact, a statement that we are regarded as sinners. Now note with me Paul's expression here in verse 19. He says, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. We were made sinners. Now there's a title of the word they're made. But that little word is of vital importance to understanding what the apostle is getting at here in verse 19. For the word translated made in English is of much stronger importance than the English word suggests. You know, when we think of the word made, we don't give a great deal of significance to that word. But the Greek word for made has depths of significance. The word made here means to set down in the rank of, to place down, to appoint to a particular class. In other words, what it's saying when it says in verse 19, for us by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, it's saying many have been appointed to the class of sinners. Or if you like, many have been set down in the rank of sinners. Because of Adam's disobedience, we've been ranked with the sinners. Because of Adam's disobedience, we've been set down, we've been pointed to the class of sinners. Now to help us understand this word, go with me to Luke chapter 2, please. Luke chapter 2. Sorry, Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. 
13. Here we're told the Lord was preaching, and a man shouts out while he's preaching in verse 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. To which the Lord answers in verse 14, He said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? The word translated made here means who appointed me? He said, Man, who appointed me as a judge or a divider over you? Or who has designated or constituted me as a judge or a divider over you? Or who has put me into the category or into the class of a judge. It's the same word as used here in Romans 5.19a. It's the same Greek word. Who has made me a judge? Who has appointed me as a judge over you, the Lord says? And the same is true here. It's the same meaning. It's imperative that we understand this. What has been said here is that by one man's disobedience... Many were made, many were appointed to or constituted as sinners. It does not say, Adam disobeyed God's command and many were made sinful. What it does say is that as a result of Adam's disobedience, all of his descendants were made, were set down in the rank of Sinners. By Adam's disobedience, sin of the world. That's what verse 12 says. It says, Wherefore, as by one man's sin entered the world. Sin entered the world because of Adam's disobedience. That action of disobedience made all of us sinners. We can't escape that fact. We can't avoid the reality that all of us are sinners. All of mankind are Sinners all have sinned. By Adam's one act of disobedience, in the eyes of God, all of Adam's seed, including you and me, were rendered sinners. We are sinners by nature because we inherited a sin nature from Adam. At the root of it all, at the center of the whole of this discussion that the Apostle has been talking about in Romans chapter 5, with regard to our justification, at the core of it all is this very fact that you and I were made sinners because of the work of Adam. As it clearly says in verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man's sin of the world, in verse 19, For as by one man's disobedience many were made, were appointed as sinners, set down in the rank of sinners. The act of disobedience is what made us all sinners. We are sinners by nature, as I said, because we inherited it from heaven. Now, of course, We choose to follow Adam when we personally sin. Don't get me wrong. Okay? That we're not, I'm not trying to say that you and I don't personally sin. Nor am I trying to say that you and I aren't personally responsible for our behavior and that you and I die because we are sinners by practice. 
Me verse 12 makes that clear, doesn't it? Wherefore as by one man sin of the world and death by sin, so death by upon all men. Why? Because all have sinned. You and I are sinners by practice. And every time you and I sin, we align ourselves with Adam, who was the first sinner. But that is not the point that Paul is trying to make here. The principle here that's trying to be developed, that you and I need to understand, the principle here is that because of the disobedience of Adam, God regarded all as sinners. Now the importance of this is seen in the second half of the verse. For while it's true that by the disobedience of Adam we were made sinners, that's not the end. For fourthly, we read that by the obedience of Christ, many are made righteous. Look what it says. So by the obedience of one, shall many be made righteous. The second half of this verse says that on the other hand, in Christ, we have been made or we have been constituted or appointed righteous. We've, been, we've received the imputed rights of Christ and you and I have been declared righteous. The comparison here is between the judgment that came upon all men and the free gift which came unto all men who believe. So he's trying to make it clear that all of mankind fit under one banner. We all are in Adam. And therefore God regards all of us as sinners, irrespective of how much sin we've committed or how little sin we've committed. We're all regarded as sinners because of our relationship to Adam. But our relationship with Jesus Christ, when by faith we place our faith and trust in him, we are declared righteous, we are reckoned righteous, we are perceived by God as right, we are appointed unto righteousness. So that by one act of obedience, many are made righteous. Now I know the verse says, so by the obedience of one, many shall be righteous. But the way we need to understand is that by one act of obedience, many are made righteous. By one act of disobedience, many were made sinners. By one act of righteousness, one act of obedience, many are made righteous. Now remember, the word made here, is the same word as the word made in the first part of the verse. So the word made here in the second part of verse 19, where it says many are made righteous, means exactly the same. It means to set down in the rank of, to place down, to appoint to a particular class. It's exactly the same word. So in other words, if Adam's sin made or appointed us all as sinners, Christ's obedience is going to make or appoint to righteousness all those that believe on him. Now something else we need to notice here in verse 19 is that Paul, when Paul talks about men being made righteous, that's justified, he doesn't use the word all, but the word many. 
It says, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Many be made righteous. Justification is to all. That's his potential. All may be justified. But only many are made righteous. That's the actual result. We need to understand the distinction here. That this word many for the believer, the many here is referring to those who believe. Justification is for all. It potentially can save all. Christ died for all the world. Everyone might be saved, but only those who believe are saved. In Romans chapter 5, verse 19, he summarizes for us this very thing. He says, for as by one man's disobedience, Adam's act, many, that's all men, were made righteous. We know it's all men, because that's what he's been talking about in Romans chapter 1 through 3. It's what he's been talking about in Romans uh, chapter 5 as well. Okay? So, it says in verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin of the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Okay? So we know the principle is, with regard to the word many in verse 19, it's referring to that one act of disobedience by Adam, the many is all men. All men were made sinners, because that's what the Bible says in Romans 5.12. It's what it says in other places, all have sinned. There is none righteous, no, not one. And you can go verse after verse after verse in Romans, which spells out clearly that the many of verse 19, with regards to Adam's disobedience, that many were made sinners, is that all men were made sinners. And then the second part of the verse, so by the obedience of one Christ's death, shall many be made or appointed or constituted righteous. The key word here is shall. And we're going to see more about that in a second. But notice what it says, So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. There's a difference. Verse 19a says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall, shall many be made righteous. And what we can see here is the far-reaching consequences of the one act of Adam and the one act of Christ. We can know from this verse that all men are born sinners due to Adam. We can see this when we observe the tenses in this verse. Due to Adam, many were made. Now the word made there is a completed action in the past. It's what's called the aorist tense, for those who are Greek savvy, okay? It's a completed action in the past, with no reference to time to be technical, okay? But it means it's a completed action. Due to Adam, many were made sinners. The deed is done. It is complete. Men have been, men who have been, who are, and who shall be, have all been made sinners. Which is the point of Romans 5.12. We've got to keep coming back here, remember... Verse 19 is a conclusion of Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin in the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. All men are sinners. 
because of Adam's sin, its completed action. But, due to Christ, notice what it says, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Many shall be, future tense, made righteous. They were made sinners, and they potentially can be, shall be, future tense, made righteous. It's a continuing thing. It is clearly seen here that men are not made righteous until they believe. When Christ died by one act of, dis- one act of obedience, Christ made it possible for all men to be saved, to be declared righteous. By the act of obedience shall many be made righteous. As a result of Christ's death, many can be made righteous, but it's not until they believe. The clear understanding here for us is that Christ's death is effective for a person when they believe, not when Christ died. And this is an important truth, an important understanding for you and I. You and I, a person is not saved until they believe, not when Christ died. When Christ died on the cross for all mankind, all mankind was not saved by his death. Potentially all mankind could be saved. But when Christ died, he died so that many could be, shall be, made righteous. Future tense. But nobody was saved when he died. It's only effective when the persons believe, not when Christ died. The price was paid. And God was satisfied when Christ died. Isn't that 1 John 2 2? And He is the propitiation for our sins. He is the satisfaction for our sins. Not as only, but the sins of the whole world. It's what Colossians chapter 1 talks about, where it says that in Christ He was reconciling all things unto Himself. When Christ died, God was satisfied. When Christ died, God removed every obstacle there is to man getting saved. He made the, land, the ground level before the cross so that all people could come. There is no obstacles. There is no means by which you can get tripped up on the way to Calvary. The way is open for all to be saved. When Christ died, he satisfied God's righteous demands. He paid the price. He paid it all. He made the way to Calvary clear for all to be saved. But we're not saved. We're not appointed to righteousness until we believe. Isn't that John chapter 1 and verse 12? But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John uh, John 3.36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. God's word is clear. While justification, the declaration of righteousness is available to all, nobody was declared righteous at the moment Christ died. That declaration of righteousness 
to you and I came when we believed. That's important because this goes against the Calvinistic concept of the nature of the atonement. There's a doctrine called limited atonement that's taught, and it's growing, by the way, even today. There's Calvinistic doctrines growing uh, throughout uh, America and across Australia with uh, certain very prominent writers now becoming very accepted in, in, in fundamentalism. And, and so this very concept of limited atonement, this Calvinistic doctrine of limited atonement, is being taught. And it teaches that when Christ died, he secured the salvation of the elect. At his death, all those who were elect were saved. In other words, they were saved at the moment he died. But we know that we're not saved until we believe. Look in Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So this idea of limited atonement, the atonement was limited to the elect and when Christ died, the elect were saved, that at the moment of his death they were saved is contrary to scripture. When Christ died on the cross of Calvary, potentially all can be saved. But we're not saved until we believe. It's like in Egypt on the day of the Passover. Potentially all of Egypt could have been saved from the angel of death. If everybody in Egypt had taken a lamb and checked it and made sure it was that spot and blemish and slain the lamb and taken the blood and applied it to the door lintel and the doorposts, everybody in Egypt could have been saved. Potentially, everybody could have been saved from the angel of death. But only those who applied the blood were actually saved. The same is true with Christ. When Christ died and shed his precious blood upon the cross of Calvary and satisfied the righteous demands of a holy God and made the way to Calvary clear, potentially all could be saved. But only those who have the blood applied through faith are actually saved. Now it's interesting here that there's also another Calvinist doctrine that's debunked in this passage, and that's the doctrine of unconditional election. Christ's death did not, past tense, justify all the elect. Romans 5.19 clearly teaches that Christ's death shall future justify many. Shall many be made righteous. There's not unconditional election here. This is by faith. It's not that God somehow chose this one to be saved and not this one to be saved, but there's the fact that all who believe will be saved. The whole thrust of Romans 5, 12 to 19 has been that Christ and his righteousness are the means of our justification. He shows us this. It's not an unreasonable suggestion because he shows that because of one man all are made sinners. 
The whole point of declaring that by Adam's action, all of us are made sinners. And he spent an awful lot of time making sure we understand that from verse 12. And then verses 13 to 17, talking about this comparison between Christ and Adam. And now as we get to verse 19, he, he, uh, verse 18 and 19, he is making it abundantly clear. As he did in verse 18, Therefore by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, shall many be made righteous. He has spent a lot of time of making sure we understand it's not an unreasonable suggestion to suggest that Adam stood as our representative in the Garden of Eden, that he was the first Adam, that he stood there on our behalf, and in him, when he sinned, we all sinned. When he died, we all died. And if that is not an unreasonable proposition, then it is not unreasonable to suggest that because of one man, God can offer justification to all. Many can be made, be declared righteous by faith in Christ. This is the summation of it. In Adam, we all were declared sinners. By our relation to Adam, we are Sinners, sinners by nature. Sure, we sin by practice, but we're sinners by nature because of our relation to Adam. We are all declared sinners. We all belong to that class of sinner. But by faith in Jesus Christ, because of his one act of obedience, when we place our faith and trust in him, we can be declared righteous. Romans 5.19 tells us that Christ rendered perfect obedience to his father when he died on the cross. Notice what it says. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. We know from Philippians 2.8 it says this, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Romans 5.19 speaks about the obedience of Christ. The word obedience here in verse 19 means attentive hearkening or compliance or submission. And here's the contrast. As a result of Adam's uncompliance, as a result of Adam's unwillingness to submit to the will of the Father, uh, because of his unwillingness to obey God and the aid of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we are all made sinners. But because of Christ's willingness to submit to the will of the Father and die upon the cross of Calvary, we can all be made righteous. As a result of Christ's compliance to the will of the Father, many were made righteous. Our justification is a result of a living union with Christ. Christ made it possible for you and me to be declared righteous. Christ made it possible by his obedience for you and I to stand before a mighty God, not as condemned sinners, but as justified saints. And this justification comes simply by faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. We can stand in God's presence, clothed in Christ's righteousness, in the imputed righteousness of Christ, because of the obedience of Christ in dying on the cross.
Just as because of the Garden of Eden we were reckoned to be sinners because we were judged in Adam. We are reckoned to be righteous because our sin was judged in Christ. Sin was imputed to you and I because of Adam. And righteousness can be imputed unto us through faith in Jesus Christ. This is why this chapter is so significant. It's why these verses, verses 12 through 19, are so important for you and I to understand. When you and I understand our relationship to Adam, and the fact that you and I are all declared sinners, it makes it possible for you and I to understand that Jesus Christ could stand in our place on the cross of Calvary. He could die for you and I, shed his blood in obedience to the Father, and because of his act of obedience, you and I can be declared righteous. Because as Adam represented us in the Garden of Eden, Christ represented us at Calvary. By Adam's disobedience we were made sinners. By Christ's obedience we can be made righteous. And this union with Christ ought to result in you and I walking in a new kind of life. A righteous life of obedience to God. You know, our union with Adam made us sinners. And our union with Christ enables us to live in righteousness. And that's Paul's point of Romans chapter 7 when we finally get there. It's going to be a while because we've got to get through chapter 5 yet. We've got two more verses to go. 20 and 21, tonight, verse 20, next Sunday morning, verse 21. And then we go to the whole of chapter 6 to go before we get to chapter 7. But when we get to chapter 7, we're going to see that what God expects for you and I, and expects from you and I, because you and I have been declared righteous, you and I ought to live righteously. But today, let's praise the Lord for our Saviour. To reverse the effect of Adam's disobedience on you and me. And that now we can stand before God, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, because of his act of obedience on Calvary. If today you have by faith believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are in Christ. And if you're in Christ, then you have been made righteous. You've been declared righteous. You are justified. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you're in Adam. You're a sinner. Destined for a Christly turn in the lake of fire. Simply because of your relationship to Adam, you stand in him. But you don't have to stay in him. Because Christ died as your representative on Calvary, and by faith in him, you can be transferred from the kingdom of Adam to the kingdom of Christ, and you can be declared righteous by faith in him. That's the glorious truth of Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 19. I trust if you're saved today, you're pretty excited about it, because you ought to be. I've been excited studying this passage out. And just understanding the relationship we have to Adam and the relationship we have to Christ and how good our God is to declare us all unrighteous in Adam so that we could all be declared righteous in Christ by faith. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the book of Romans.
We thank you for verse 19. We thank you, Father God, that by the act of obedience of Christ, many can be made righteous. We pray, Father God, today if we are declared righteous, that we'd rejoice in the wisdom of our God in making it possible for us to be saved because he's declared as unrighteous in Adam so that we can be declared righteous in Christ. And if there's anybody today who's not saved listening to this message, that, Lord, you would so speak to them through your word, challenge them, Father God, they need the Savior, and may they turn unto him today, we pray. Bless now as we depart in Jesus' name. Amen.